Morning, church. Welcome to this 7.30 a.m. service. This weekend is Missions Weekend, and I invited Joseph Chen, the director of Antioch 21, the former national director of Youth with a Mission, to preach. And we were really looking forward to him sharing God's word with us. As some of you would know, he passed on from a car accident in Istanbul on Wednesday. And this is very sudden. And many of us, including myself, we are grieving. Joseph Chen will leave behind a legacy of persevering missions. He dedicated his life to witness, to evangelism, to teaching and serving and loving the last, the least, and the lost. He mentored and sowed into the lives of many, including mine. And we will miss him dearly as we look forward to the day of reuniting in Jesus Christ. And I invite all of us to observe a few moments of silence as we honour this man, the faithful servant of the Lord that he has been. Will you join me now for a moment of silence? Please allow me to say a prayer on behalf of us all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the life of Joseph Chin, for the good work you have done through him, for the sterling example of faithfulness he has shown to us. And while we may not understand, we surrender to your sovereign purposes even as you take him home when we least expect it. Father, may your comfort be with us, especially with Joseph's family. And may your grace and strength enable us to be faithful in these last days as we make disciples of all nations, as we fulfill the call and mandate you have given us. Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may carry on the good work that you've given to each one of us till you bring it to completion one day in Jesus Christ. So hear our prayers, O Lord. For we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And because Joseph cannot be here, I've asked our pastor who was seeing our outreach ministries, Pastor Adrian, to bring God's word to us. Will you join me and encourage him as we invite him to the pulpit? Hello everyone, blessed Missions Weekend to all of you. Heavy heart, right? Yeah, okay. Now there are, there's quite a lot of things happening this weekend because we've planned for missions. The whole entire missions team is activated, mobilized, and they, are, they have so much to show you later outside uh, at the atrium after the service. I hope that you, know, uh, you stop by and support and also to know what is our missions portfolio here within Wesley. And I hope by now you know that I oversee the entire uh, outreach portfolio, which consists of uh, missions, crisis relief, uh, social concerns, Christian outreach social concerns, as well as witness evangelism. So it's quite a big portfolio. 
Um, and for this weekend, because it's missions weekend, I was so looking forward to hearing from Joseph Chen. Um, not just because he's a personal friend uh, of many of us here, including myself, but he's actually one of the best mobilizer and speaker we know in the area of missions. And I think he inspired so many, not just to missions, but also to full-time calling uh, as a missionary across uh, you know, different parts of the world. Um, there's so much to learn from him, and I was just waiting for uh, him to speak and just preparing to welcome him. So I'm also grieving, even as I prepared the sermon in the past uh, 48 hours, and I hope that even as uh, we share, I pray that God will comfort us all and speak to us the importance about mission today and how much also it meant to our friend Joseph. Will you join me in prayer? Come, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, come be with us. Even as we hear the stories and examples and see also the lives of those who labored for you, speak to us through their lives. Even as we meditate upon your truth, your living truth, help us to recognize what you want us to do as your disciples as well. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts here be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so since this is Missions Weekend, let me ask a few questions, right, uh, for our reflection here. Not often you get to do some reflection within the sermon right at the start, especially for 7.30 a.m. Um, so these are the slides. I have a few questions here for you to think about. Okay, Now, what comes to mind when you think about missions? How are we doing as a church in this area? Okay. And I struggle with missions because... Now, I'm going to give you 40 seconds to turn to the person beside and just discuss and talk, okay? You can talk for the next 40 seconds. And I just want you to do that with one another so that at least you now you get a chance to reflect upon these questions, okay? 40 seconds, come, go, 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 okay? Hey, talk lah, it's okay lah, yeah. It's like Bible study, you know, but corporate, yeah, just share. What do you think about missions? Why is it important? Or how do you think it's important? Especially I struggle with missions because... No, I had Slido for the services yesterday at TSS as well as the youth ministry because I preached the same sermon. And many of them told me, uh, it responded that uh, I struggle with missions because no time, because I shy, because I scared, because uh, I don't dare to talk to people, you know, this kind. Uh, I think maybe of us, some of us similar, right? The priorities or uh, some of us may overcome certain fear barrier. They are scared of, uh, afraid of rejection. And of course, missions tends to be a cross-cultural thing and there are uh, some hurdles to cross. Personally, I used to dread not just missions, but even evangelism and witnessing for God, right? Uh, because I think that uh, mine was, uh, this was a long time ago, they 
there are half truths or half lies that I used to believe. The half truth and half lie is actually like God will help those who help themselves. You know, if you if you can't help yourself to know God or you know, then that's your problem. Too bad, kind of thing. Yeah, and if so, my relationship with God is between me and God. But if you don't know God, too bad for you, lah. Right? You know, uh, that's a very arrogant thought. That was years ago. And it's amazing how I even became a pastor you know, today. And somehow, God have a sense of humor. Bring me one whole round and say, now you champion outreach, okay? And go and do missions, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thank God for patient mentors in my life. Uh, that brought me out to see the world and be involved in evangelism and especially in cross-cultural missions as well. They didn't give up. Just like how Joe Chen didn't give up on many of the people that he worked with and inspired them. So we have to be missional to continue in God's love to us. And how somehow, as I get involved in missions, as I do more, I see how God's love transformed my heart and transformed others' heart as well. And help me see the importance of experiencing and sharing God's love as a witness. This is so important. I'll share this why I might experience later because I got quite an exciting story to tell. But anyway, let's come back to scripture. In the book of Acts, we have a similar story. Okay? In the book of Acts, this is the setting of our passage today. This uh, setting was after Jesus ascended into heaven. The disciples, including Apostle Paul, went around, many of them was, were moving around the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. They were so inspired. They would preach in the synagogues, uh, gathering places, right, in temples where the Jews and Gentiles come together. They would go to the marketplaces. They would go to where people gather okay, to share with non-believers also. That was the passion that they had. Why? It's because they took Jesus' command very seriously. And what was that command? This was before he left for heaven. This is in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And this is what we have known. Many of us have known the Great Commission. It said, Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything, everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see that, right? Everything, obey everything. So the first point here is this. First point here is the Great Commission. It's every believer's responsibility. The Great Commission is every believer's responsibility. And I want to do this for me, okay? Turn to the person beside you, okay? And I want you to stand their face and say this, okay? It is my responsibility to make disciples of all nations. Oi, say it, okay? Come, okay? It's my responsibility. Tell one, it's my responsibility. And then now, do it again and say, since you say it's your responsibility say to us, it's your responsibility okay, to make disciples of all nations. Now friends, this is a serious call because the early disciples knew that salvation 
it's not just a life and death matter. No. It is an eternal life and death matter. That's why it's so serious. The commandment isn't just to preach the gospel, you know. isn't just to share about Jesus. But it goes beyond it to baptize them and make them disciples. But the key is to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded them to do. Everything to obey. So if you do not obey the Great Commission, you are disobeying the Lord's command. Do you hear what I say? If you do not obey the Great Commission, you are disobeying the Lord's command. And that's serious. As pastors, we do this full-time. We preach, we teach. But in the early church, all the disciples are full-time marketplace workers. They are leaders that hold day jobs in society. They are everywhere. They, 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 don't, they are not like us, employed full-time. But they are in the marketplace. They are common people, many of them. And they are mission-minded in their focus. Yet they are so mission-minded. They know their vocation and work. Even as a student or even being a homemaker, the vocation that they are is really kingdom, kingdom assignment to be missionaries wherever they are. Because the gospel of Jesus is a matter of eternal life and death. So there is great urgency to preach the gospel to share Jesus everywhere because the Great Commission is every Christian's responsibility. Amen? This is given. Actually, whatever I shared today is not new from Scripture. I'm just going to remind us of what that commission is for us, right? But you may say, Pastor A, the Great Commission is to make disciples of every nation. But where does it say that our vocation of and our work, even being a student or homemaker, is kingdom assignment. It doesn't say, right? I've not read it. Well, it's not explicit in Matthew 28, but following that, the book of Acts captured that. And it says this, these are the very last words of Jesus. If you read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, very last words before he ascended into heaven. This sentence is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there you have it. All the disciples are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and ends of the world. See, apart from receiving power of the Holy Spirit, and we need that to be missional uh, witnesses, really. All of us here need the Holy Spirit to be missional witnesses. But the Greek word in uh, witness, okay, Greek word for witness, actually means uh, martyr. The Greek root word martyrs, uh, okay, is actually Greek here for martyr, which by which the meaning is this, a witness for Jesus who dies because of that witness. Have you ever wondered why? I wondered this. Why don't why didn't the translators just translate the text to say that, you know, you will be my martyrs in Jerusalem and in Judea, okay, uh, and Samaria, and all the rest of the world? But why put witness, right? Witnesses. Now, I suspect that translators use the word witness over martyrs was likely because we need witnesses to be alive. Okay? Uh, we don't want 
people to die for Jesus. Let me just say that. We want them to be alive and live for Jesus. You're more effective being a living witness. But the kind of meaning in that, that word is the people who are not afraid to die to speak the truth and conviction of their faith and what they believe. And that's what martyrs, uh, that word martyrs mean. The witness, those who cannot, they are not afraid. If you must speak the truth, you must tell of this faith or this conviction that you have. That's the witness word. Okay, And it's also today kind of legally binding. If you are a witness in the court of law, you are obligated to tell the truth. Right? That's the kind of responsibility. So here comes our second point. Every believer is a bold missionary for God to the ends of the world. That's what we are. This ought to be a given because sometimes we forget it, but the central call of being a disciple is really to proclaim the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. It's to share our conviction. It's to be that living witness. When we ask you, why are you so happy? You cannot say because I'm rich. No, okay? Because I have the love of Jesus touching my life. That's important. That conviction comes out. The word martyr means laying down one's life. But in modern terms, I call that dying to self. That's why it's so important. What's important, uh, how the early Christians or early disciples says, what's important to me is no longer that important compared to something else. Your mission may be to earn as much uh, as possible, to be successful, to be financially free. But once you become a Christian, all these earthly missions become secondary. They may be still important, but they are not as important as one. Your mission now, the primary mission, is to fulfill God's great commission. That's to make disciples. So for disciples, the Great Commission becomes an important life mission. That's who we are, that's what we are called to do in everywhere we go. And of course, Jerusalem meant home country for Paul and Barnabas, but as the scholars put it this way, that the Jerusalem, the Judea, the Samaria, and all actually represent different ethos, right? Uh, it can mean home comfort, comfortable surroundings, but Judea may be neighboring similar countries or culture, Samaria, places that Jews avoid, considered hostile or foreign, maybe uncomfortable for us, to the ends of the world, everywhere. Christians are committed to the Great Commission. Everywhere. That's our missional calls as believers, as a church, to proclaim salvation has come. The missional call exists all the way from Jesus' time till now. The call is the same upon all who believe in the Jewish God. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think the majority of the church 2,000 years ago accepted this mission? Do you think? Do you think it's possible to reject this missional call? Let's go back to the book of Acts and see what happened, okay? Now, it says here, and this is our primary text in Acts 13, 44. It says, On the next Sabbath, almost a whole city gathered to hear the words, uh, the word of the Lord. And the gospel was spreading. Disciples, Jesus had ascended. Paul and Barnabas were going around and they were preaching uh, the love of Jesus. The gospel was spreading, gaining momentum within the churches and people were coming and the church grew. 
That's how it is, okay? Powerful mobilizers, social impact. Everyone wanted to know about this gospel. But it says that when the Jews, and these are people of the same faith, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. Uh, Paul and Barnabas were Jews themselves. And they stood up and answered them, We have to speak the word of God to you first. But since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, oh, that was so sarcastic, right? Since you reject it and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard that, heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout, through the whole region. But when the Jewish leaders, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leaders of the leading men of the city, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook off the dust from their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples, note this, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, despite being rejected and persecuted. So what happened here? Let me give you a quick rundown because I have a story to share. You see, according to Paul and Barnabas, salvation has come to, has come. And Jesus is that good news, that salvation, the sacrificial lamb that has atoned for the sins of the world and whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have an everlasting life, right? We all know that. That's the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. And salvation was originally, let me say this, meant for the Jews, but not exclusively for the Jews. See, God wanted to redeem the world through the Jews. That was the original plan. But the Jews rejected it. And according to Paul, Paul said that, you know, you, by rejecting, you did not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Oh, that was a hit, man, okay, for them. But what does that mean? It meant that everyone has free will to make personal decisions and choices for themselves. It meant, it means today, you see, we can choose to accept or reject Jesus and also the commandments commanded upon us. But in any case, let me say this, the Jews decided to reject it. And Paul was quite sarcastic to them because they were so stubborn. See, by rejecting salvation, they also rejected the God-given mission to bring salvation to the world. You can see that in verse 47 just now, okay, when I read it, it says that, no, I've made it to be a light to the Gentiles and bring salvation to the world. So, not only did the Jews reject that, okay, they rejected the mission. So Paul and Barnabas were Jews themselves. They said, I'm not going to reject this, okay? I'm going to speak up and remind of you what the Lord has commanded all of us as Jews to do. They accepted that call. And they quoted from Isaiah 49 verse 3. And every Jew would remember how, what God has prophesied that God will redeem the Jews and God will bring salvation to Gentiles in the world. Paul was reminding them about what God reminded them in uh, the book of Isaiah. That was their great commission. But the Jews rejected it. Then what happened? God brought it to the Gentiles. Okay? 
And now the Great Commission is passed on to the Gentiles. The mission is the same, to bring salvation to the ends of the world. And the Gentiles, they were really happy. God's plan didn't stop at the Jews, at the stubborn Jews, but it got bypassed. But it came to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles took it up. It exploded and became unstoppable. What's the narrative here? This passage tells us about this. One good news of salvation, same commission to both the Jews and the Gentiles. One rejected, became bitter, even started to fight with jealousy. But the other accepted, grew exponentially. But for me, the most important, exciting thing was this. The disciples received, those who believe, receive, obeyed God in the Great Commission, they experienced joy and the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised. My goodness. And this is where I'm getting so excited because the next point is this. Disciples experience joy in the Holy Spirit when they fulfill God's mission to the world. This is the distinct difference if you participate in God's mission. That's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. Now, one of my most memorable trips, okay, talking about cross-cultural mission trips or cross-cultural missions here, uh, is my very first experience in cross-cultural missions trip, right? Missions, right? As a young adult, when I was challenged to lead a team of youth and young adults, okay, uh, to a neighboring country for a mission trip, okay, actually, I was supposed to lead, uh, we are supposed to run their youth camp. It's very, very scary because I wasn't full-time then. I was just like a small group leader, you know, and a church leader. And one of the leaders had a request from a group of churches, okay, uh, in a neighboring country to run their youth camp for them and ask, you know, hey, you know, since you have a group of young adults, can you raise the team to go? Uh, and this was in August, National Day. I said, oh, National Day, yeah. I knew that it's National Day because uh, we, we saw the national flag fly past, you know, uh, in a distant island counting, kind of and we were all like, this is not home. Okay, okay counting. Kind of well, yeah, we are there. But we are fulfilling uh, uh, God's command. And we didn't know what to expect. Let me say, I was asked to put together a team of 14, about 14 youth and young adults, mostly between 19 to 21. And that's the oldest in the team. I'm the oldest actually because I was about 27 or actually there. I will be the camp speaker. And because it's a foreign country, okay, uh, uh, one of them actually was a uh, was, is, is native, right? So could speak uh, the language. So became my interpreter. So they challenged us to plan a camp for them. The program was teaching sessions, workshops, all planned by us, even games. But they were executed with their logistics. They would do worship, and uh, and we would do the rest. But let me say, how do you plan for this kind of camp? You know, overseas remote control. We did our best. Work out the slots, lies with the other side. It was a step of faith, okay. All of us were noobs, let me say this, okay? Uh, I don't even know how to take a boat, uh, what to say, run a camp. And we thought it was for, you know, in a church setting, for 50 packs. When we got there, this was staring at us. This was what it was, where it is. The stage was set at the beach. I feel like, wow, I faced the sea, you know, and talked to the crowd. I was like, this is not church. This is not what we were planned for. And it's a tentage out there. 
And it was not for 50 packs, it was for 200 people coming from over 10 churches around the island. We got a shock of our lives. Ah, okay. And I was there, oh no. And then they started worship. And then of course the youth uh, were just standing there and they were, you know, some of them were raising hands, singing in their native language. Their hearts were open and sincere. And we got to know that actually the musicians there, they were playing, didn't even have musical background. They all self-taught. But let me say, no one we have knew. And when I started preaching, I was like nervously going up, right? Okay, trying this noob here, trying to preach, yeah? Okay. And I told myself, sell out, okay? No PowerPoint, no slides, no nothing. How to do, right? Then there was eyes like, oh no, okay? <laughs> 200 eyes staring at me. How? And I went through 10 minutes, okay? Into what I preached that, by the way, I'm the one in white, right? Okay. A bit, a bit bigger that time. And, uh, and that was my interpreter, okay? And, uh, I went through what I preached and guess what? 10 minutes blabbering what I could recall. Then, boom, boom, it started to rain. <laughs> Thunderstorm came. Oh, okay. It was a disaster. Let me say this. Okay, my sermon's supposed to be, you know, that's the anchor sermon, you know. Upon this rock, that sermon, I built the rest of the sermons in the church, okay, or the rest of the message. Gone there. I spent months preparing. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the preaching stopped, okay? Horrible. Oh, so discouraged. How, man, everything is going wrong. What followed was games. Of course, I didn't play. I couldn't show you any more photos. Uh, just because, yeah, um, it showed faces. Now, anyway, we played games, but captains, they were so fit, right? So we modified the games. We, we, football, captain's ball, we were not their match. So we say, hey, we tied their legs together to play football. We tied their hands together to play captain's ball. Then they suddenly, they cannot do anything really. Okay, but it was really fun engaging. Now, the following morning, we got one of our girls within, between 19 to 21 to share a morning devotion. Now, this girl panicked in the morning and broke down right there and then in the morning, 7.30 in the morning. And we told her, never mind, just share your story and testimony, how you can know Jesus and what Jesus meant to you, okay? And guess what? This was 7.30 in the morning and 200 people sat in enclosed space and heard her share. She was nervously breaking out. Uh, but let me say, she shared her story. The devotion was the very first time she was speaking, even in a small group. But the Holy Spirit moved in the hearts of many. And I've never saw at 7.30 a.m., almost three-quarter of the place was in tears. 7.30 in the morning, have you ever preached a sermon here at 7.30? Everyone was crying. That was how impactful it was. As for my sermon, I went all out. Let me say means that my prep went down the drain. That's so why I just shared. So since, oh, wow, this girl shared testimony so powerful. Okay, I just share my testimony. <laughs> okay, then just share that as a sermon. So that came. Uh, so in the night, okay, I was sharing that testimony about how God spoke to me through praise and worship because I was a worship leader and musician before. Let me say this, and I, t- I just shared how God taught me to praise Him and encountered God's love that night. 
the entire camp broke out in praise and worship, and everyone experienced the Holy Spirit. You know, the pastor, and they were jumping and dancing and praising God, extended praise. And the pastor told me, they've never seen anything like that in their years of running youth camp. The joy was unspeakable joy, especially when the Holy Spirit moved in our hearts. When we came back, we were so humbled in our debrief, we realized that we were not going there to bless them. God was teaching us something about the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the very first time, many even in our team experienced that. I can testify, if you want to see and experience God move in greatness and wonders. Maybe some of us here, you have never experienced joy in the Holy Spirit before. And sitting in church, you have been wondering, you know, programs after programs. Why? Maybe it's time. God is asking you or nudging you or challenging you to fulfill this call, to go on a mission trip and to be involved in prayer and ministry. I realized I grew so much because of that and totally transformed my perspective of how God moves. You see, not God didn't just move in the Jerusalems, but in the Samarias and the ends of the world too. We are all called by God to be that bold missionary for Jesus everywhere we go. Amen? That is what I've learned, okay? And as we participate in God's mission to the world, let me say this, we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it wouldn't just be singing about joy unspeakable, we'll be experiencing that. And I believe that, you know, that was what the disciples encountered in the book of Acts. They are so, this is like the moment that they just didn't want to miss. And let me say this, I suspect and I believe that, you know, that's why some people wanted to be missionaries full-time because they want that every day of their lives to experience joy and the Holy Spirit. And Joe Chen is one of them. Maybe God is speaking to us here. Okay, so anyway, for this weekend, we've arranged for our missionaries to be back here in church as well, our missionaries, missionaries, to share with you how God moves in the world, everywhere they serve. Okay, so after the service, please go to the atrium, visit them in the booth, talk to them, encourage them. And he is still calling the same, uh, calling us to the same commission as disciples of the past to partner him to bring salvation to the ends of the world. Ask them how their experiences are. So this is the summary for all of us here. Okay, I'm going to close very, very soon. Listen, Great Commission is for every believer. Okay, It's every believer's responsibility. Every believer is a bold missionary for God to the ends of the world. Disciples experience joy and the Holy Spirit when they fulfill God's mission to the world. Let me close with something that I've been recently, I've been reading recently in the past 48 hours, ever since I started to prepare for this sermon. You see, one of the major initiatives of this year that churches in Singapore are really excited about happening began in September in a summit called the Antioch Summit, where almost uh, over 800 pastors uh, um, from 100 churches, 20 mission uh, agencies came together for one purpose, to talk about the Great Commission. They also, uh, it was also the day the initiative called A Decade of Missions was launched by Joseph Chen, who stepped down as National Director of YWAM to become the Strategic Coordinator of Antioch 21. And of course, as newly appointed outreach pastor, uh, missions pastor, I started to follow all these initiatives because... I don't want us in Wesley to be like the Jews in the book of Acts and miss the boat, you know, and become bitter 
uh, and jealous. This article was published by Thirst, and a few things caught my attention. And it says that in the past, in the 10 years between 1990 to year 2000, Singapore sent out more than 650 missionaries, even though we only had about 300 churches then. And in the next decade, 20, year 2000 to 2010, the numbers held steady at 693. However, in the past decade, 2010 to 2020, the numbers began to drop to plus minus 500. And post-COVID, it became really, really less. And whatever that's remaining, missionaries in the field are above 50 years of age. This is also similar to our portfolio of missions in Wesley today. We used to be sending over 40 missionaries, missioners around, but today, today, after COVID, we have less than half of that figure, with majority of that being a local missioner. Joe Chen said this, The mission's revival in the 90s did not happen by chance, but that is because pastors and leaders gathered to set missional goals for the decade. See, in the next 10 years from now, 2020, until 2023, it's estimated to be about 2,000 years after the resurrection and the Pentecost of the early church. And there are global movements targeting the next 10 years to preach to every single person with the gospel and people group. Singapore, according to what Joe says, as Antioch of Asia, must participate in this global endeavor to contribute our part to fulfill Christ's mandate to the global church. That's our missional call as a church. Lost and unreached people matter to God, everyone. And the church here, we are responsible to raise missionaries of all generations to reach everyone to the ends of the world, Asia and beyond. As a mission pastor, I believe in outreach, social concerns, everyone. This is our calling to be Wesley, to be the light on the hill, I'm excited to be here and over the next two years okay, to see and how we can partner God to fulfill this great commission. There are a lot of challenges, but in the next two years, okay, up to 2025, you see next year, workplace, uh, but 2025, we are celebrating our 140th anniversary as a church. We are going all out to bring the church to be that light, to bring salvation to the ends of the world, to our city, to our nation, to the ends of the world. Starting next year, we want to be intentional, marketplace discipleship. Everyone here has a responsibility. Missions is not always offensive and tell you, believe or not, No. Missions is easy, a lot easier is simply to show others how you love God and sharing that love with one another. This is the way Joe Chance puts it. We just want to love the Lord. We just want to express God's love for all nations and all people. That's our call. Will you choose to join the many witnesses, the martyrs, the witnesses of the past to experience the Holy Spirit? Or will you be like the Jews of the past that rejected and miss out on the Holy Spirit and God's joy? Choose well, okay? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your work on the cross, for the salvation that's given to us. This good news is meant for the world. You've also commanded your disciples to bring love to the ends, your love to the ends of the world. Thank you for using saints of the past, 
Paul, Barnabas, and even saints of our time, people like our brother Joe Chen, to inspire us of this call. Your commands are still the same as those before, to be light for the world, to bring salvation to the world. So Lord, in this Mission Sunday, may your words be loud and clear to us about why you place us where we are, in our schools, in our homes, in our marketplace, in our workplaces, in societies, and in nations. Align our hearts to be obedient to your call again and not to be hardened as some were. We want to experience your joy in the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Lord, use me for your kingdom work. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen.